Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you just please allow us to receive your word today. Let us retain your word. I plead the blood of Jesus over, over the information that you give us, Lord God. I, I plead the blood of Jesus over our hearts. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. I plead the blood of Jesus over our hearts. And I pray that you allow us to receive your word in a way where our hearts is melted and softened for you, God. Most importantly, God, we ask that you fill us up with your Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. Give me one second here. I need to get, get some water. Father God, I just thank you right now that you fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to receive your word in a way where it resonates in our heart and touches our lives so that we can apply what we need to and change. God, let us grow in a um, closer relationship with you. Allow us to be able to be accepting of the things that you have for us. Allow us to be led by your Holy Spirit, being able to always hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Please, God, quicken the Holy Spirit inside of us and let us be obedient to it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling me up. I pray that you allow me to receive your word today um, and also allow me to minister grace to those that are listening and give hope to those that are lost, Father God. Um, please allow us to just be able to be pivoted exactly where you want us to be so that we can fulfill your plan, will, and purpose, God. Whatever um, you need to orchestrate in our life for us to satisfy your plan, will, and purpose. But most importantly, Father God, we just pray that you allow your will to be done in our life. Not our will or anyone else's, but jesus christ it is still in your blood it is still in your atonement blood amen and i apologize you all my um phone is steady ringing just give me one second here i wanted to okay so i am going to be going over quite a few things um give me one second here Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. 
something then. Okay, here we go. All right, now let's see if I can keep this on here. Mm hmm. All right, so let's get into work today. So on Friday, I wanted to make a few um, announcements, okay? So first off, I like to say that um, there were a couple of mis um, misinformation that I provided. So I wanted to go over that today in regards to the origins of Israel and um, the Israelites, okay? So... Now, the truth is, basically is, the Habaru people, which these are people, um, okay, so before I get into it, on Friday, I was talking about, you know, studying the Strong's Concordance and how they're like hundreds of scholars that have interpreted the Old Testament, which is comprised of the um, Hebrew scrolls and the New Testament, which is uh, in Greek. And so when we look at all of this information we can see that the um the the greek and the hebrew uh scrolls are closely related right they they are of the same type of um they are of the same type of language right and so this is the the way that this is the way that we fully understand this here so i was able to post my old um blog and somehow it wasn't registered with the um actual um updated blog it was uh, under upcoming and so it shouldn't have been listed there so i was able to find it it's under what's your love status and i've already um updated it on the website so it should be there for you to have access to it it shouldn't be listed under the upcoming blog so now Basically, when we look at the, um, the, so Hebrew is a name that was given to the Israelites, um, by other people. Hebrew refers to Abraham, um, which are listed and recorded as the, uh, Habiru people in Egypt in the 12th and 13th century. Okay. And so, um, there was no other J in Greek or in Hebrew. So the Greek text and the Hebrew scrolls are also called the Dead Sea Scrolls, basically. And so the Hebrew scrolls are basically comprised of the Hebrew Bible, which is in the Old Testament. So our Old Testament is actually from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi. So therefore, in order to be able to interpret the Hebrew scrolls, you have to rely on the scholars that can interpret the ancient language of Hebrew to understand the word of God. And so that's where I, I was getting the, the information from the Strong's Concordance. So we always go back to the Strong's Concordance to be able to interpret what is in Hebrew and also in Greek, and we interpret it in English. And so when it comes to scholars interpreting the translated Holy Bible from Greek texts and the Hebrew scrolls, it has nothing, nothing was really changed besides the names 
um in the bible so some names was really changed and um so we see that this was partly due because hebrew and greek languages are almost identical right they have some different variances such as like english spanish and some other languages in there but for the most part the hebrew and greek is almost identical language so in order to resolve some of the problems with understanding the holy bible um the scholars basically interpret it so you have the names in the holy bible have etymology that changes the linguistic form of words and it sort of transmits them to identify them in in other ancestral forms of language so when we look at yeshua in hebrew or um uh what is it or, or aramaic i think that's how, how you pronounce it aramaic um we see Yeshua in Hebrew or, or Aramaic text means Yahweh, right? And so some Jewish um, believers, they don't believe in the name um, Yahushua. So, but it still means the same thing. So Yeshua in Hebrew or Aramaic, it just simply means Yahweh, which is the Lord is salvation. And it also means to deliver, save, or to rescue. Um, it can also be pronounced Joshua, Joshua, which is J-E-S-H-U-A. And um, so what it means is he is saved and is salvation. And so th that would be Strong's number 3442. So we look at the word Yahushua in Hebrew. This means the Lord, my salvation. And so this is um, Strong's number 3091. And so the English spelling of Yeshua is joshua right and so remember i i had it kind of mixed up on friday i never really go back and listen to myself at all i just remember the things that i say so if for any reason you hear me say something and i am incorrect please correct me because i am an informed person and i do a lot of different research and i love studying and so i want to make sure that i'm giving you accurate information i don't like giving you misinformation so that's why I'm, I'm correcting myself and saying that i misquoted when i said jesus and joshua what i meant to say was um the spelling of yeshua is joshua okay and so when it's translated from hebrew into greek the new testament was written under the name yeshua which becomes um how do you pronounce this i think you pronounced it uh, let me let me see how to pronounce it. I want to pronounce it right because I didn't pronounce it the right way before. So I think it's pronounced uh, e Eesus. Um, So Eesus is spelled L-E-S-O-U-S. And so basically this is the English spelling for Eesus, which means Jesus, because there were no letter J in Greek or in Hebrew. Okay, so don't don't misinterpret anything from that. So when we look at going further, in order for us to understand how the um, strong concordance is being interpreted, you want to look at what the truth is. So basically, Habiru, or it's, it's spelled H-A-P-I-R-U, um, Habiru. And so I don't, I'm not on Zoom tonight because I was having problems with logging on to Zoom, Okay. Um, the video isn't working. I don't know what's wrong with it. Um, so 
I can share the screen. So I'm going to have to do some troubleshooting with that. That's why it kind of took me a little while to get on tonight. But um, I have all of this stuff posted on the blog, okay? And you can find this information on the Women's Health blog, all right? It references the What's Your Love Status blog, and you can just click there, and then you can find all this information. So basically, like the um, Habiru people was back in Abraham days in like the 12th and the 13th century. So you have a people that are known as uh, Habiru or Hapi, ha, uh, it's called Hapiru, which appear in a uh, cuneiform text that was dated back to like the 20th and the 18th century before Christ, or some people say before Common Era. So in Southern uh, Mesopotamia, which is part of Asia Minor and in the Haran and Mary, uh, Maris areas, you have these um, identical biblical Hebrews. So to better understand this, there is a more inclusive name than Israelite. Um, so the Israelite is evident from the fact that Eber in Genesis 10 and 24. So let's go to Genesis. Uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 10, verse 24. I want to go to Genesis 10 and verse 24. And so, um, okay, here we go. Genesis 10 and 24. It says, our frat, uh, our, our Faxit was the father of Sheila and Sheila, the father of Eber. Okay. So, um, this is basically saying, um, that was on 24. So these were how it says, and one was named Peleg because in, in his time, the earth was divided. His brother was named Jocton. Okay. So it was divided. So we see that the, the region here is sort of divided because of the um, Semites, okay? And so we see, going back to the blog, let's go back to the blog here. So a son of Shelah and a grandson of Shem. So we see that Noah had three sons, which was Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? For whom the Hebrews are named. So they lived eight generations before Jacob and Israel. Well, almost eight generations because I counted it. And I think it was, I think it was about either six or it could have been six or, or eight. I'm not mistaken. I think it was six. Okay. Please forgive me if I'm incorrect on that. But I believe that it was about six to eight generations before Jacob. Right. So the Israelites, this is when the Israelites were named. So in this sense, we have the Israelites are uh, Ivory, which is Hebrews, but all Hebrews are not Israelites. That's what I meant to say on Friday. And so I have all of this information in my mind, but I wasn't conveying it correctly. So I apologize. Okay, please forgive me for that. So what this means is that there are Hebrews, right? And these out, these are considered like outside Hebrews and they're like, black sheep how some people call them black sheep or um they say that they're like mercenaries right so you have these uh hebrews that are outside the established social order of israelites in the non-biblical text and are considered mercenaries right and they are motivated solely by the desire for monetary or material gain as in the text from babylon 
So you have all of these uh, Hebrews who are like black sheep. They do what they want. They're motivated by money, motivated by material things. And so they have letters from Abdi Heba of Jerusalem to Ak, uh, what is it? Ak Hennetan of Egypt. Basically that they had complained that the, the Hebrew uh, were posing a threat to the status quo in Canaan. So we see Canaan came from uh i think it came from let's see i i believe the canaanites the canaanites came from um uh oh well, i've been reading this and so okay so that's right so the canaanites oh wait Okay, okay. Okay, so the Canaanites actually had came from uh wait, wait, from Ham's. Okay, so you have you have um the Canaanite version of the Hebrews that came from Ham's side. And that's one of Noah's son. He had a son. Noah's son Ham had a son named Canaan. And that's how the Canaanites were brought about. Okay. So you have these, the, the um, Hebrews that were in Egypt that complained about the, the he, he, uh, Habaru people of Abraham, right? Because they felt like they were posing a threat to the status quo of those that, that were uh, in Canaan, that, that were Canaanites. And so the um, some scholars see in these some of these references that the Canaanite version of the conquest of Canaan were under Joshua. Okay, but if we look here, all you have to do is go. If we, we look at Genesis, let's go. Let's just go to the scripture because I was uh, reading this too. So we're gonna go to Genesis. This is um Genesis chapter Genesis chapter nine. And we're going to look at verse 24. So go to Genesis 9, 24. Let's go to Genesis 9, 24. And so it's important to understand this because when you're looking in the Strong's Concordance, you want to understand the story behind who you're getting your information from. Why? Because the Strong's Concordance is taken from the original text of the Hebrew Bible including the Greek, which is almost identical and are interpreting it for you in English. So you want to make sure that you get an information from accurate sources and not motivated by the, um, the Israelites or the Hebrews that are like sort of mercenaries, right? Okay. So you want to make sure that they're not just motivated for all of the wrong reasons, because then we're looking at Relation they are Jews and are not. You have to be very 
to this part. Um, no, I actually want to look at the whole chapter here. So let me go back. So this should be Genesis 9. So you go to Genesis chapter 9. And we see when we go to verse 24. Let's go to verse 24. It says... Um, no, yeah. When Noah woke awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Curse be Canaan, the lowest of slaves. Will he be to his brothers? <coughs> he also said, Praise to the Lord, the God of Sham. May Canaan be the slave of Sham. And so we see if we go forward. All right, move forward in the scripture now. It says the descendants of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. So if you go forward into Genesis chapter 10 and verse 6, you can see that the descendants of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Um, and then it talks about going on what uh, what expanded from them. So it says from there in verse 11, from there, he expanded his territory to Assyria, building the cities of Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ur, uh, Kala, Kala, and uh, Rezin, the great city located between Nineveh and Kala. And then it says down in verse 15, Canaan's oldest son was Sidon, the ancestor of the Sidonians. Canaan was also the ancestors of the Hedatites, Jubasites, Amorites, uh, Gergeshites, Hevatites, Archites, Sunites. Um, and going all the way down, it says the Canaanite clans eventually spread out. And the territory of Canaan extended from Sidon in the north to Gerar and Gaza. In the south and east, as far as Saddam, uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Adma and Zabom near Lasha. There were the descendants of Ham identified by clan, language, territory, and national identity. So there isn't any confusion here. So all we have to do is just look here in the Bible and it tells us exactly where canaan expanded from so we see here if you just look down at um at uh what verses is verses 18 the canaanite clans eventually spread out and this is from ham's descendants so we see canaan comes from the canaanites which is a descendant of noah's son ham Ham had a son named Canaan. And so that Canaan is the one who was doing things to his grandfather. Okay. Noah. All right. And so he was put under a curse. Um, <coughs> and so we see that Ham is an Israel. They are Hebrews. Okay. So going back to the original um, statement that I was, that I was making, so all Hebrews 
um, they are not all uh, Israelites, okay? But we see that there is absolutely, there is no relationship with the uh, Messianic Hebrew Jews of Judaism. Um, because those Hebrews are some of the world's elitists and believe that they will enter the kingdom of God by their flawed works and deeds all while denouncing Jesus. So they really believe in more of the Old Testament than the New um, and so they kind of reject the notion of Jesus as providing the full salvation. And so I talked about this on the other blog, but, um, in order for us to like, understand, you know, the strong concordance, you want to make sure you want to look at the type of, the type of, uh, concordance you're analyzing. Is it coming from like the, the original Hebrew or like the, uh, Messianic Hebrew Jews of Judaism where they um, focus more of their desires on monetary and material gain um, that is really a part of many of the context in the Bible when it talks about Babylon, okay? And um, how these uh, references to the Canaanite um, under the conquest of uh, Joshua, right? So you have this battle here between the, the, the Hebrew and also the um, the Hebrew Jews of Judaism, all right? And so the Hebrew Jews of Judaism are the ones that actually had um, crucified Jesus, okay? Because they are really focused on the law instead of um, salvation. So they, I've talked about this on the other podcast. You all can go back and listen to it. It's on um, What's Your Love Status? And I've I've shared the link on the um, the blog, okay? So if you want to know a little bit more about the um the origins of the Israelites, you can go I I posted the um it's it's under learn religion out the Abrahamic Middle Eastern Christianity um which talks about the origins of the Israelites. So where did the Israelites of the Bible come from? And it's um an article that was published by Austin Klein, okay? And it was updated March 9th of 2019. And so it talks about the um, Amaru and Israelites, where you have the Israelites that were Semitic and their ultimate origins are really um, anywhere between um, 1500 BC and 2300 BC. And this was um, a part of the Mesopotamian um, sources that really rely on the um, groups of Amaru or Westerners, and so they become they become or became more like the Amorites, a name more familiar with today, the Amorite uh, uh, Israelites. So there is somewhat of a consensus that has been originated through like northern Syria, and their um, presence somewhat has been destabilized. So they are no longer really taking over or populating that land as much in um in uh Syria that much. So you have the 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 Hebrew um Israelites and um they were the original Hebrews um according to their tribe and ethnic group, okay? And so that that's basically saying that they are black. Um so that is what the original Hebrews are, okay? They also have the um uh what is it it's called the shasu shasu um there is an interesting uh linguistic um 
uh, uh, evidence that provides the uh, Shasu, a label that matches the Hebrew word Yahweh. Okay, so you have some of these indigenous origins of the Israelites um, that really focuses more on calling um, God Yahweh or they call him uh, Shasu. Okay, which also um, means YHW. It, it, it closely matches the word Yahweh or YHWH. Okay, so they, they kind of believe in two separate types of names for God too, just to point that out there. So sometimes linguistics pl play a key role in how people um, perceive God and um, ultimately how they feel about God. Okay. All right, so I hope, hopefully I was able to clarify all of that and um, get you all that information that you needed from there. So, um, all right, now I wanted to move forward and let's, let's see here. Okay, so I wanted to go over um, this, kind of like this last part here. This isn't the last, uh, but this is the last note that I have on staying positive. So, when we think about um, staying positive, you never give up as repeated failures can only equate to success. So, as I've been looking at the book of Genesis, right? It's so amazing. I've been trying to, when I was looking at um, the life of Abraham and also Isaac, I'm trying to do more of an in-depth um, study of it, right? And so I wanted to point out a few things, okay? So the first thing that I noticed here was... Um, if you all can go to your Bible to Genesis chapter 16, verses 2 through 5. Genesis 16, 2 through 5. Okay. So let's, let me go there. Genesis 16, 2 and 5. Okay, it says, Then Sarah, Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, told her to go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count so um i kind of want to talk about this part with when i get on the part of uh sarah but when we look here in um genesis 16 and we look at um what verse is this this is still verse when we look at verse verse uh two it says, let's look at the, the beginning, first, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she says to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So 
we see that Sarah wants to convince her husband to sleep with the slave. So she really wasn't waiting on God's promise, right? But like, I want to talk about never giving up. So we see that Sarah is being very persistent in her, you know, motivation. She's being persistent in her motivation to make sure that, that she has a child or a descendant for her husband, even if she have to use her slave. So that's something that is a motivation to never, ever give up, never give up. Because we know that when you do not give up, repeated failures can only equate to success. So another thing I wanted to point out is, let's go to 2 Chronicles. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 15 through 7. It says, but as for you, be strong. And do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. And so there is so many times like you can go through life and you're going through these experiences and you just feel like, you know, like you just keep going on and on and on. And it's like, do you, you're not seeing no type of progress. But I can tell you right now that there is progress. And so God is saying that, don't give up but as for you be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded god will reward you so like let me explain this so i have been in college for so long i am about to graduate really soon with my phd and so i was recently voted out of my program by one of my professors that um like really blatantly lied on me and so i had to prove all of this stuff through providing documentation so i had to i had to appeal the decision for me to be removed because of these allegations that was made against me by him in addition to um me having to meet with the board of the school after i filed this appeal so after I filed the appeal, the appeal came back in my favor. And so now I'm still at the same school, even though I was approved to go to a different school, I got accepted to go to a different school and everything. But going to a different school doesn't mean that all of my, my, all of my credits was transferring in. So that was kind of like a disappointment because now it's going to take me an additional year and a half to graduate instead of me graduating in the next seven months. And so now I'm just like, okay, well, God is telling me, look, he says, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, either way it go, I have created the opportunity for you to go somewhere else. So if you want to go to another school, I am going to support you going to another school. Because see, when I tell people that God really has helped me, God has helped me throughout my entire academic studies like most of my work i have so i used to have so much school work where i really would just like sit back and read and then god would just give me like it would just pop in my head god is giving me answers i don't have to research nothing i didn't have to do i was just like okay this is okay thank you god i pray to god 
please help me with my homework before I even get started on this homework, Lord. I need your help. Your help, God. You know, give me the wisdom that I need, God. Give me the knowledge that I need so that I can get this done. And it's like, there you have it. God giving me everything I need. So God specifically said to me, so let me explain to you what happened. So I, I was dismissed from my program for part of the summer. I took the, the first, the beginning part of the summer in class. And then the second part, I was basically removed. So by me getting removed, um, all of the monies that was received for that was sent back to my um, lender because I get scholarships and I also get um, loans and stuff. So basically, I ended up on my school now about four over $4,000 just because I was removed from the program. And so now I had to get that situation straightened out. And it just felt like, okay, it's so easy for me to just go to this school that I'm accepting in and I don't have to have any problems. So I was kind of like really, really feeling some type of way about this because I'm like, you know, I work so hard. I've literally worked really hard. I don't, I don't show up to class making excuses. I don't make excuses why my work isn't done because when I come to class, my work is always done. I am an, I am a achiever. I love to achieve results. So I don't turn in late assignments. I don't, you know, like if there is something that's a circumstance that happens outside of my ability of control, that that hasn't happened like that. So usually when the work is is due, my work is done and my work is completed. So I'm a, a, a person that achieve results. And so a long story short, I had to file an appeal off of some allegations that was made against me from a professor, which I felt like was really abusing power and uh, made a lot of different false allegations. It was just so, it was to the point where I, I mean, he should have almost felt embarrassed for the type of lies that was said. Point now was that, you know, it's interesting because I, am now back in the school and now I have to go through this remediation process. And um, it's just really like a, it's a tedious process. But I want to let you all know one thing is that I never give up. So like um, prior to me on this balance at school, I right, right when this happened, two days later, I was already filling out applications at other schools trying to go to a different school. And so, um, and so, um, now I am actually just, you know, just waiting to get my, um, my classes. So I've only missed one class, but that is a class that now I do have to make up because I didn't, um, attend due to the, due to these problems. So, um, yeah, so I want to say that, um, even though certain things happen in your life, that doesn't mean that you have to give up. It doesn't mean I don't care what is happening. Um, you just don't stop because what could have happened was that me on that balance. The school didn't have to release my transcripts, but my school had already released my transcripts because before the balance even showed on my account, I had already requested a transfer. And so everything was like, it was like God is saying, look, I am with you. 
And it doesn't matter where you are. When God says that he is with you, he is with you. It doesn't matter what level of power someone is in. It doesn't matter if, uh, let me let me tell you something. When you have faith in God, God's power supersedes everything in this planet. That means that anything that I need to talk to God about on earth, any concern that you have on earth, all you need to do is talk to God about it. And so what that means is that it doesn't matter what the concern is. It doesn't matter what the issue is. It doesn't matter what position of power someone is in who is basically making up stories about you or, or just basically just don't like you. Because there are people in this world that don't like you. And it could be, you know, it could be for a number of different reasons. And, and usually it's the spirit, you know, when we think about our spirits, we have a spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We have to give authorization to the Holy Spirit. So when you don't give authorization to the Holy Spirit, guess what? You working against, you working against demonic spirits. So the demonic spirit around the corner and another one on the other side around the corner doesn't mean that they're not working together. They are all demonic. So they work together. Demonic spirits work together. So they don't know that they're working together. They just know they 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 might not even a person may not even know each other. But when they're working together for a certain purpose, it's demonic. And so it's all bad, right? And so that's how we have to look at things. We have to look at life in a way where when the enemy is working, the enemy is working through multiple people. It isn't just one person. And so that's the way that I was feeling when I look at the situation from a spiritual perspective, because I have the ability, I have the right to look at it from a spiritual aspect. Because I have spiritual beliefs in God. And so it's so important to understand that when you're in this world, don't ever give up on what God has said for you. What God has for you, no one can take away from you. So it isn't just one other school, it's actually three other schools that are waiting for me to register. And so I'm just trying to explain this. It's Second Chronicles 15 and 7. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. So I had to literally look through hundreds of emails. Hundreds. My appeal, I think, was about 30 pages long. Almost 30 pages long. So you have to understand this, that... If I just left the classroom in person with this person, this professor, and I actually received an A in that class, everything was fine in that class. How bad could it be? You know, so it's really just about certain conversations that some people don't like you having. And so what I've learned by that is that, um, like, what's his name? I think his name was Brian Tracy. He said 
that we can't blame other people for the things that happen in our life. So it's no point of scapegoating and blaming him for this and blaming him for that. I have to partially take responsibility for the way that I reacted to him. Because each email, I'm just like, oh, this guy is just ridiculous. I mean, it got to some point where it was just, ah, oh, Lord Jesus, please intervene. And so I don't have to really get into the logistics of everything that was said. I'm just saying that it was a, a it was a, a unpleasant process that will for sure make you want to give up. But I'll tell you this one thing. See, God is a God of everything. We serve a God that is all knowing. God is omni uh is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. God or omniscient science. You can say omniscient or omniscience. And so when we see that God is able to do overly exceedingly above all that we can ask or even think or imagine, God God can do it. We just have to believe. So I believe it. So when God said, he says, um, I made the way, I created the way for you. And so that's what he did. So it is. it didn't matter if I continue on in this process and still oil balance and still have to pay or I could still just simply go to the other school. But God, what I'm saying here is that God is not going to close a door that he's walked with you on. He's walked you to the door. He's already opened the door. He's opened up the door that no man can close. So let's, let's look at that verse in the uh, Bible. That's in Revelation. God opens and he closes door that no man can close. This is in Revelation 3 and 7. It says... And the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things said, he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that opened it and no man shut it and shut it and no man opened it. And so that is in uh, Revelation 3 and 7. So what this means is that what God was showing me was it doesn't matter of, it doesn't matter about your position. When God has caused you to do something, there is nothing that can stop God's word from being fulfilled. And so I wanted to go to a scripture. Um, actually, this is this is another scripture that God had, had brought to me here. Um, let's talk about this one here. This is when um it, it says, God, let's let's look here. I think it's right here in um let me find this scripture here. This is when um Okay, here we go. So we go here. Let's look now. I wanted to go here. Okay. 
says. Okay, so we're going to go to go to Exodus chapter 14. And we're going to go to um, verse 24. Exodus 14, verse 24 and 25. Now, it says, Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels. You see this? So... These Egyptians is chasing after Moses and the Israelites. So God took off the chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And so the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. God goes and fights on your behalf. So when someone is attacking the plan that God has for you. What they didn't know was that they're actually fighting God because God fights for you. God fights on your behalf. So when the enemy tries to come and do stuff, the enemy can't do anything when God's plan is, is already going to be fulfilled. It's kind of like uh, the prophecy. When God's, okay, so think of it, think of life, think of your life. When there is a prophetic word that is spoken over your life, where God has chosen you and God has called you, there's a prophetic word over your life. It is saying that nothing can stop God's word from being accomplished. So, let me explain this. I got to probe further. Okay. God's word. God's word accomplishes its purpose. If you go to Isaiah 55 and 11, it says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God has been told me this. When I was when I was 18 years old, okay, so I went to church. Well, I was married at 18. And so I went to church about five times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Saturday morning. I was a faithful church girl. I really, really love God so much. Okay, and God was really prevalent in my life. And so my husband was an atheist. He he still will go to church, but he don't he he's not into the church like that. Okay, he just go, but he's not gonna go all the time. All right. Um, so what happened was my pastor, where he was the assistant pastor, his name was Tom. And so I went to Word of Faith Center in Kenway, Washington, Washington State. And um, so Pastor Tom, he comes to me. He places his hand over my head. He says, look, God is going to use you. He has a prophetic word for me. 
Now, Pastor Tom was really like on fire for God. Every time he spoke, he was a he's a Caucasian man, but he he's just like super on fire with the Holy Spirit. When he gets to praise and worshiping God, it's no way that you could just sit in your seat. And it's like the spirit of God is moving in Pastor Tom. Okay. And so he comes and he says, God is going to use you to go places that no man would dare to go. That no man would dare to go. And God is going to use you to snatch them back into his kingdom. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay. See, I did not know that I was going to be getting a PhD in community psychology. I was initially initially trying to go to um, law school to become an attorney. But I changed my mind. So when God has something planned, we see in Isaiah 55 and 11 that God's purpose when his word goes out. So Pastor Tom was, was in a field with the Holy Spirit. So when you accept the prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And I received the reward that came from the prophet, Pastor Tom. So the, the prophecy is over my life already. So it doesn't matter about, it's just like when God says something in his word, that is the way we receive God's prophetic word from his prophets. So prophets are speaking. When they speak, they speak from the word God. They, they have the spirit of God on the inside of them. So let me go to another scripture and that tells you um if you accept if you accept a a prophet you will receive a prophet's rewards. So you're going to go to your Bible and let's go to Matthew 10:41. It says whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward so what this is saying is see the prophet tom pastor tom he's a prophet so a prophet that speak God's word, that is God that is speaking through that person. See, you have to understand what the scripture is saying here in Matthew 10, 41. When a prophet, when you receive the prophet's reward, you accept the prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. I receive the word of God over my life. I accept it. The plan of God. I accepted the prophetic word over my life. The prophetic word is just like when God says. And it was so. That's the same way as a prophet's reward. You understand? A prophet's reward is coming directly from God. So this is no confusion about this. 
Okay, so when you look at Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7, but as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. So the prophets are rewarded, you are rewarded when you receive it, as Matthew 10 and 41 says. And so we're as children of God have to understand that as it says in Isaiah 55 and 11, God's word is going to accomplish what he desires. So you can have the enemy, you can have Satan, everybody attacking you. And yet God is going to still pull you up because you're not chosen and called to stay down. You're not chosen and called to be in environments that's defeated. You aren't chosen and called to not be elevated within the kingdom of God and into God's righteousness. When you call and chosen, it don't matter how long you take. Nothing can stop the prophetic word of God. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. So God's word is a part of, it's a part of God's plan. It becomes, you become a part of God's living plan. You are, you are a part of God's plan. You are a part of God's purpose. You are a part of God's will. Period. So anybody, any any people that are uh, governed by Satan or evil, that try to interfere with the purpose, plan, and will of God, they're not fighting against you. You go back to Exodus chapter 14 and you look at verse 25. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. God is going to fight on your behalf. So if that is you get to get a degree so that you can advance more into the kingdom and you can advance more of god's children into whatever god's glory is whatever glory god is trying to get god's glory will be used through you whatever your experience whatever you may be thinking is bad that look, 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 I was sitting up here talking and I'm sitting here thinking, I, I'm like, God, you know, like if I, if first of all, if I did not go through the experience that I went through in my life, I will not have the knowledge and the wisdom that I have today. If it wasn't for me being able to overcome those things through the power of the blood of Jesus. So it's all done for God's glory. You can't mess with God's children. You're not fighting against that person. You're fighting against God, the God that is in them. You're fighting against God's plan. You get to fighting against God's purpose. You're fighting against his will. 
So people, the people that are blinded, they do not know. Okay. And so I wanted to go back to, um, I wanted, actually, I didn't know I was going to go back to this scripture, but I'm going to go to this scripture right now about Sodom and Gomorrah. And I wanted, I wanted to show this one. I want to point out this one thing really quick. It says here that, um, look, it says in, uh, in Genesis chapter 19, we look at Genesis chapter 19 and we're going to look in verse three. It says, but he insisted so strongly that they did go with. No, I'm going to look at from the top. Gen, just go to Genesis chapter 19. It says the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. So no, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. So now, man, you at first, prior to these angels reaching Sodom and Gomorrah, there were three, there were three um, angels, supposedly two angels and one was the Lord that was present with these two angels. And so one prior to this chapter, we can see that uh, one of the angels stayed behind with Abraham, okay, and was talking to Abraham about like not destroying the city if it was 10 people. And God said, I would not destroy the city even if it was 10. But these two angels, you, you got to just go back to uh, maybe a couple chapters and you will see that it was three. So um, God stayed with Abraham and was talking to Abraham, but these two angels arrived in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so when they get here at uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, look at look at what happened here. It says, um, but he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and enter his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom. You see this? All the men from every part of the city of Sodom bought young and old surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. So Sodom and Gomorrah was a city filled with sexual immorality. Uh, just all type of just sexual um stuff that was against God. Complete and utter sexual immorality. And so I wanted to bring this scripture up is because of the deception. The deception that was surrounding these men's minds. First of all, they were so deceived, they didn't even notice that these were angels. Pay attention to this now. In verse 1, uh, uh, Genesis 19, verse 1, the two angels arrived at Sodom. At Sodom. So these two angels, how can you not know that they are that they are not, they are angels, they are not men. It says, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, young and old, surrounded the house. 
where are the men who came to you tonight bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them so what this means is that their minds were so deceived they didn't even know they were angels that they were trying to have sex with if your mind is deceived in one area it's most likely deceived in other areas so unless you get open and unless you ask god to open your eyes so that you can see what you need to perceive and to hear what god wants you to understand then guess what you're not going to be able to understand that's why the bible talks about uh, let, let's go to this scripture the bible talks about they not being able to perceive and they do not understand go to mark 4 and 12 so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding otherwise they might turn and be forgiven so they are so deceived they think that they were about to have sex with the men when in fact these are angels that is sent to destroy them that is full and complete deception they are blinded clearly and so we see in um in a continuation of the chapter that lot agrees and say okay well these men you know he 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 continues to go along with what they saying but he's telling them look the two men said to lot do you have any do the, the two men which they're calling them in but really they were angels so that's the point that if you look further in the chapter they are referenced as men but in fact they were angels okay so you know just having that deception as mark 4 and 12 talks about you know not being able to perceive or not being able to understand and we look at the um at the uh, new living translation it says in mark 4 of uh, verse 12 so that the scriptures might be fulfilled when they see what i do they will learn nothing when they hear what i say they will not understand otherwise they will turn to me and be forgiven the English Standard Version says, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. The King James Bible says, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And so the Amplified Bible says, so that they will continually look, but not see, and they will continually hear, but not understand. Otherwise, they might turn from their rejection of the truth and be forgiven. So see, this is a, this is really like, it's showing that people are blinded. They are blind. They so blind, in fact that the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were so blind due to their sexual immorality 
They didn't even see that it was two angels there. They confused the angels for being men, just regular men. And so that was foolish, right? So let's go back. I want to go back and I want to look at another scripture. So let's go to Galatians uh, 6 and 9. Okay. So it says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He go another scripture where God is telling us not to give up. Don't become weary. Don't, don't feel like it's a waste of your time because you're doing good. Don't feel like, okay, well, you're not seeing no progress. So you might as well go out. Instead of you keeping a job, you might as well go sell drugs. God didn't tell you that. Instead of you looking for a job, God didn't tell you to go sell drugs. God didn't tell you that. Don't not, do not become weary in doing good. Just because it don't seem like it. Because I tell you, when I was going through that appeal, I'm like, this man again kicked me out of the school. Now I owe the school a balance. And he didn't sit in here and blatantly lied with ceasing other people in the email with the last. Like there is proof in previous emails that this is a lie. So how could he actually do this? <laughs> this is just like, oh Lord Jesus. And this literally was able to inconvenience me. And I was just like, you know, this is ridiculous. And so God said, look, don't, don't give up. You don't have to give up. I'm like, yeah, I know. Sometimes God is like, we just get tired of fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. Like, why? Nobody wants to fight. Nobody wants to like verbally have these altercations for what? Like, it's just about, you know, us being able to, if we're all supporting the same cause, why is it difficult for us to work together? How can we represent the voiceless if we're not listening to the voices of each other? So in order for us to be able to represent the voiceless and to advocate for those that are voiceless, we need to be able to listen to the voices of each other without being offended, without doing all of these other things. So for instance, we see that God is saying, look, do, do not become weary in doing good. God didn't tell you to go out here and sell drugs when you can go out there and get a job. Because if your goals are still selling drugs, then you don't have, you don't have any goals. God, God does not want you doing things that is going to not be beneficial to your life. So don't give up. We see that this is another verse. So the first verse, 2 Chronicles 15 and 7. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. Galatians 6 and 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
So do not give up the fight. God goes ahead of you. God goes with you. God is also your rear guard. He's behind you. He's supporting you. He fights on your behalf as we see here in Exodus, Exodus 14 and 25. They wanted to flee the face of Israel. Why? Because the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. God is fighting. God is fighting for us. He goes out and he fights on our behalf. God fights battles that you don't even know about. That's why we need to give praise and glory to God. Thank you, God, for fighting on my behalf. Thank you for the things that I don't even know that you have done for me. See, Moses and them, Moses and the Israelites, they didn't know that, that God had, um, you know, released the, uh, the, the, the wheels. But some people say, you know, um, Moses wrote the book of Exodus, but how could he write the book of, you know, like how could he write, write some of the parts that's about his death? So we, we have to investigate that further in the Torah. Cause remember the Torah is the books of Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So God wants us to look at that. God wants us to examine those things. So um, moving forward. So we see in Galatians 6 and 9, do not become weary for nothing. It don't matter what it look like. God worked behind the scenes for you. He gone like he did the, the, the chariots of, of Pharaoh men. He unloosened their wheels. You don't know what God is doing for you. God is working behind the scenes. The enemy plotting against you. The every every satanic plan against your life is canceled in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that God has planned will be fulfilled. Especially when there is a prophetic word spoken over your life. There is no premature death contract against you in the name of Jesus Christ. So you have to understand that whatever God has planned is going to be fulfilled. So if that is for you to advance in your academic study so that that way God can position you in a place of power so that you can help advocate for the voiceless, guess what? That is what God will do. So God is positioning me to advocate for the voiceless. How can I advocate for the voiceless if I don't listen to the voices of people? So that's the problem that I notice really much in um, the, uh, a lot of programs is that, you know, we, we, we try to set these goals, but we have to be willing and able to advocate not only for the voiceless, but also advocating for each other as community psychologists. All right, so now um, I wanted to go to another scripture here. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, verse 37. It says, for no word from God 
will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And so this was talking about um, the Holy Spirit and stuff. So let's, I want to look at verse 35. So we're going to look at verse 35 of um, Luke chapter 1, verse 35 and uh, go to 37. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left. See, so this is, this is predicting John the Baptist birth and also Jesus. So understand that Luke chapter one, verse 37, that's all you have to consider. No word from God will ever fail. Never, ever. God cannot fail us. God cannot lie to us. See, it's the, everything, everything in this world. Let me, let me, let me go to another scripture. We go to, um, you go to Matthew 24 and 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's God. It doesn't matter if there is 50 million people that don't want to believe in God. There is 10 they do. God is still going to save those 10. Because you have to understand that society, people are deceived. And they have this, this, this uh, veil of blindness over their face. Where they can't see, uh, perceive anything. It's a spiritual blindness. So understand that heaven and earth will pass away, but the words, but my words shall not pass away. God's word will not pass away. When God says something, that means it will happen. We see this confirmation over and over and over and over and over again throughout the Bible. Luke 1 37, for no word from God will ever fail. Period. At all. Not ever. Ever, ever. So let's go to Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 48. Um this this is a great scripture to look at uh about never giving up so it says here that um it says here and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years 
which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any way. So she was bleeding for 12 years. In verse 44, it says, came behind him and touched the border of his garments and immediately her issue of blood stenched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and says thou, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody had touched me for I perceived the virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, he said unto her, hey, JJ, I see you. Thank you for joining me. How are you? And he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thou faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. So we see that the woman with the issue of blood, she was going through everything, but she she was making sure she was going to um, touch Jesus. Okay, I'm glad you're doing good. I wanted to talk to you. Um, I'm glad that you joined me tonight. If you could, I, I would like to talk to you. So, um, yeah, I'm just letting you know that. Okay. So we see that the woman with the issue of blood, she, although she was bleeding for 12 years, she was persistent in getting healed. She had enough faith. She just like, oh, if I just touch his garment, I will be healed. You know, what about if you are the person that say, if I just read God's word and keep reading it, I know that my life is going to change. What if you are the person who knows that, okay, you know, if, if I just keep the word of God with me every day, I, 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 I'm only going to be led in the right direction. So you know that God is going to lead you exactly where you need to be. So it's not about just, you know, yes, it was about her having faith. But she was persistent in her faith. She made sure that she did not give up. Thank you. For, thank you for that. She did not give up. She wanted to make sure that she was going to get healed. Some people will crawl to God, crawl. They get on their knees and cry out to God. While some people can't even close their eyes when they praying. Some people don't even get on their knees and pray. You know, it's just like, look, you know, like what level of respect are you having for God? Sometimes we talking to God. Prayer is a conversation with the Lord, right? So that's something that we should be doing on a consistent basis. So let's look at Luke 18 and 1. Okay, so this is a parable about the persistent widow, right? Um, this is kind of this is a good uh parable too. So go to um Luke chapter 18. This is Luke chapter 18, verses um one. 
where um it says then jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up now this is the next scripture that talks about not giving up so he said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared god nor cared what people thought and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea grant me justice against my adversary so for some time he refused but finally he said to himself even though i don't fear god or care what people think yet because this widow keeps bothering me i will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me and the lord said listen to what the unjust judge says and will not god bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night will he keep putting them off so i tell you he will see that they get justice and quickly however when the son of man comes will he find faith on the earth so that's a good one right so it's like this judge is upset because this widow lady is like look grant me justice against these people that's my adversary and and the judge doesn't care but because she's persistent because she's bothering him it doesn't matter about what's going on with this judge anymore the the judge is now showing attention to this widow so what do you think what do you think that God will do? God is going to provide justice for you. If you cry out to him day and night, God provides justice. You think that God is going to put you off? Absolutely not. God heard you. God heard you when you said what you said to him. He heard you. He did. So you don't have to be concerned about any of that. Just go back to 2 Chronicles 15 and 7 if you feel like you need to give up. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. We see your work is going to get rewarded. You go to, um, uh, which one is this? That was another scripture. You go to Galatians 6 and 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And Luke, and Luke chapter um chapter one verses uh uh thirty seven. For no word from God will ever fail. God can't fail you. Period. God can't. The woman with the issue of blood, she she just knew she was gonna be healed. Power just came out of Jesus because of her faith. Her faith activated her healing. Her faith. Oh, if I just touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. Don't, she ain't even talk to Jesus. She ain't say, oh, Jesus, can you heal me? No, oh, if I just touch him. You know, you got to think about your situation and, and say, okay, well, God said, this is what God said to me. This is what God said not to give up. This is what God said that he's going to not put me off. And then we see in what Exodus, Exodus 14, God um, 
God did what for the uh in Exodus 14? He sit here and he loosens, he loosens the chariot wheels to Pharaoh them. He took their chariot wheel so that they can drive with difficulty. And guess what? They didn't even want to chase the Egyptians, the, the Israelites anymore. Because they knew that God was fighting for them. They were fighting, not the Israelites. They were fighting against God. So God fights your battles for you. You don't have to think or worry about what someone is saying. You don't have to think and care about what they're doing. You don't have to care about any of that. Because guess what? God is fighting on your behalf. He's going ahead of you. He's going with you. He is your rear guard. So what else you have to be concerned about? There is nothing to be concerned about. You don't have anything at all to be concerned and worried about nothing. Period. Because God is not going to allow you to be put to shame. So let's look at this. Let's go to John 8 and 12. So in exact same way, what was happening to me at school, that was, that was an attempt to put me a shame, put me to shame, but that can't happen because see what God has planned for me. No, nobody can take away. See prophetic word was spoken over me when I was a teenager. So now it's going to be fulfilled because why God's word goes out and it accomplishes that which it desires. Nobody can eliminate or extinguish God's plan of your life. Nobody can stop what God has called you to do. Nobody in the world. It doesn't matter what their goals are. It doesn't matter what they plot. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter about the way they feel. Woe to the person who call evil good and good evil. So we're going to go to John 8 and 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So today I had watched this TikTok video and this um, girl, she was talking about um, I meant to share it on my page, but I didn't. I don't know why. I, I think sometimes I'm kind of sharing too much. I'm kind of getting tired of having to post on social media altogether. I, I really would like to just take a break from it. Um, But God told me to use the influence that he has given me to influence people that are watching me. And I'm like, okay, so that's what I have to do. That's That's fine. You know, um, but it's a dedication. And so anyway, um, on this, on this YouTube video, it was, um, it was about a professor that was a, a, a atheist. And so the atheist professor asked the student, so, um, is there any evidence that God exists? And so one of the students they said, no, there, there is no really no evidence that God exists. And so then one of the other students says it to him, well, is there any evidence that um, cold um, exists? And he said, 
yes and then the student said no there is no evidence that cold exists what what the evidence shows is that it's cold because it doesn't have heat and so then he said um is there evidence that there is darkness and he said yes there is evidence that there is darkness and then then the student said no there is not evidence that there is darkness no darkness is without light so it is dark so it's basically missing light that's why it's dark and so then the student says now he asked him again so now is there evidence that um that evil exists and the, and the professor says yes there there is there is evil people in the world so evil does exist he said well evil exists because they don't have god in their life like cold doesn't have heat and darkness doesn't have light so when we look at this scripture here it reminds me of that tiktok video now even though you may be thinking some of the smaller things that you're doing for people or in your in in the, the people the lives of the people that you know you might feel like you're not doing enough or you might feel like it wasn't it wasn't impactful like the way his were or the way that she said it or the way that he did that but guess what i just watched this tiktok video earlier today and now i'm talking about it on the podcast and they said that that was um, Albert Einstein that was the student talking to that professor. Now I talked about Albert, I talked about Einstein last week because God was giving me revelation that Einstein was reading the Bible. And he was taking a lot of his philosophical beliefs and he was turning them from what the Bible was saying. That's what God was revealing to me. Because if you remember, I think it was last Tuesday, I was talking about Einstein using some um some words that was out of the Bible. And I was like, I was reading that Einstein had said this, but that's an actual scripture. So it's, it's real important to understand where is the information that we are obtaining and where is derived from. So when we think about like the TikTok video that I just explained about the professor and the student, we see here, let's read this scripture again, John 8 and 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So that reminds me of that TikTok video. And you have to look at, you know, what are you missing? It isn't about your life being in shambles. It isn't about what you don't have. Are you looking at your cup half empty or half full? Because if you're looking at it like it's half empty, thank you so much, I appreciate the love. If you're looking at your cup as half empty, that means you're only seeing what you don't have. But if you see your cup as half full, you can pay attention to what God has given you the ability to have. So even though your life might not be exactly the way that you want it to be, it's, ex it's exactly the way that God wanted to be right now. Because God can't move you forward without positioning you there first. 
So you might have to go around a 10 mile radius in the circle before you can get to the plan that God wants you to be at. But just understand that it's a process. And the more and more open you are to growing and understanding the light of God, the more and more efficient the Holy Spirit can work in you. We have to be receptive to opening, being open for understanding what God wants for us. We need to be open for God's plan for us. Those are the things that we need to be open about. And the more and more we are open to the voice of the Lord, the more and more we follow God's voice, the more and more he can use us to fulfill his plan, will, and purpose. Because you have to understand that every situation that you experience, everything that you go through is to give glory to God in the end. It's all about giving glory to God. So whatever that negative experience that you're going through, whatever it is you went through in that relationship or if you was abused or if you just got terminated from your job and you can't pay your bills and you behind on your rent, you it's a lot of stuff that is happening to you in your life. Just understand that God wants to use you for his glory. You have to ask yourself, what is God trying to show me in this experience? What is God trying to show me in this situation? So you don't look at failure as a level of defeat because failure is not a permanent condition. It is a temporary one. It is failure can only equate to success. After repeated failures, it's only going to equate to perfection, maturity. And I don't care what, what preacher you listening to that don't teach about being perfect. The word of God says that you are to be perfect even as my father in heaven is perfect. And we're not talking about the dictionary, the secular dictionary terms of perfect. Perfect means to be mature in nature and in act. So we need to be mature in understanding God, right? Like I had to be mature even though I just went through this experience at my school. You know, so let's let's go to the last scripture for tonight. Um, I'm gonna go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, what this means is that most people would say. God, God has given each and every person a measure of faith. So you all have, everyone has faith, but I've talked about this previously on other podcasts where your faith could turn, it can become inverted. And that means that it'll no longer be on the, the, the positive gain side, it'll be inverted on the negative side. So now you no longer have faith. You have doubt and unbelief that's circumventing your life. These things are now uh, the navigation system for your life. Doubt and unbelief. Oh, no, no, no. They're not going to be able to do this. Or I can't see this. Oh, because see, my, my glass is half empty you're so focused on the negative you can't you can't see 
the the prop the the way that God can do the impossible for you. So now instead of you having faith, now it's been inverted to doubt and unbelief. So you have to reject that and get that out of your life because see some people's faith is no longer faith anymore. Because if it was, we wouldn't be talking about Hebrews 11 and 6 where it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. When God has given each and every one of us a measure of faith. So we all have a measure of faith that God has distributed to each and every person. But it's important for you to maintain it. Like you maintain your trust. Uh, you, you have to maintain trust, maintain trust in your relationship with God. Like you maintain your car note, you maintain your rent, you maintain your electricity, your gas bill, your gas. You're gonna make sure you got gas in your car, your car wash, you're gonna have car wash cleaned all the time. So you maintain these things in your life. And the reason why you maintain them is because you want to keep them. So if God is giving you faith, that means that you have to what? You have to continue to maintain that faith that God has given you. Because if you're not maintaining the faith, that means that there are too many outliers that is skewing your faith, is skewing your belief system. Now, instead of you having faith, you have doubt, unbelief. Then that, what does that equate to? Doubt and unbelief equates to being defeated. So now are you walking in defeat or are you walking in victory? See, because yeah, you, you can be a victim or you can walk in victory. Which, which mentality do you choose to walk in? Oh, you see my car is messed up. I can't get here. Are you a victim or are you talking like you have victory? So it's all about your perspective, your, your perception. So this last verse, Hebrews 11 and 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God wants to reward you. But how can he reward you? You so focused on that problem. You can't even pray for your future spouse. You can't even pray for your future husband. You over there talking and gossiping about him to your family and friends. And these are the same family and friends as never been married. That never even know how to be in a relationship for more than 10 years. And you're getting advice from people who commit adultery and fornication. But instead of you seeking the advice of the Lord, you're going to go talk to people more than you talk to God when they fail themselves. So what makes you think that they are not going to fail you? So, yes, failure equates. Eventually, it'll equate to success after repeated failures because it'll eventually turn into success. But if you're dependent on other people to help to help solve and rectify your problems in life, then you're, you know, they can't give you advice past their level of experience. They can't give you advice past their level of what they've overcome in their life. 
How can they help you if they haven't experienced what you went through? Yeah, they can empathize. But what is empathy to God? God is beyond empathy. God is beyond sympathy. He can give you everything you need. He can give you all of the things that are impossible to man. So it's better for us to trust in God than uh, for us to put our trust in people. And so I'm going to end on that note tonight. Um, let me go ahead and pray. I want to thank you all so much for joining me, but I've reached the two hour mark. Um, so let me go ahead and pray. So father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. Thank you so much for giving us your word today. And we just thank you right now, God, that you just please allow our hearts to stay softened and melted for you, God. We want to be able to satisfy you by being obedient to you by, you know, being, um, just, obedient being having our ears softened to hear your voice and to follow you we want to be able to have favor in your sight god so we just ask that you continue to keep all of those things all the garbage that's inside of us all of the bad negativity god everything every seed that have been planted in our hearts that you didn't put there every single thing that been watered in our hearts and our minds god remove it uproot it seal it with your blood god so it won't never enter us again and replace it with all of those things that are pleasing to you satisfying to you and favorable to you god we want to live a life that is fulfilling. We want to live a life that's full of abundance and it doesn't require us giving up. So let us continue to maintain the faith that you have given us, God, because we can trust you, God. You are trustworthy. You are more than worthy to be praised. Thank you, God. So we just give you glory, praise, and honor. We ask that you remove every obstacle, barrier, and uh, concern and worry out of our path, God. And we led at your throne of grace, God, because you said that your burden is easy and your yoke is light. So we just depend on you, God. And we thank you right now that you're resolving everything that needs to be resolved in our life. We thank you for favor, favor in every situation and circumstance. We ask that you keep us 30,000 steps ahead of every situation, Lord God, and that you let us be able to see so that we can understand and hear. Let us see and hear through your eyes and ears so that we're not depending on our own understanding for things, but we're depending on you, God, so that we can see and hear from your perspective and not our own, from your perception. God, make us more like you. We want our heart to be like you, forgiveness to be like you. We want our love to be like you, our confidence to be like you god we attach ourselves to you we attach ourselves to your holy spirit we thank you god that we have confidence in you we attach our confidence to you god we attach our love to you we ask that you that you reshape the things that has been broken and shattered in our life we will not be victims of emotional or, or physical trauma in any experience in the name of jesus christ and so, God, we just thank you right now. We give you glory, praise, and honor. And we just ask that you please allow your will to be done. No one else's will, not our will, but your will and purpose. And so we ask that you give us a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. But most importantly, God, we just thank you for being who you are to us. And we ask that you continue to allow us to grow in our relationship and our walk with you in righteousness. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me. I appreciate you all. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a good night.